Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to In the Limelight, Vanity Fair's entertainment and pop culture podcast. I'm Josh Duboff, Vanity Fair senior writer, and I'm here with Julie Miller, Vanity Fair's senior Hollywood writer. On In the Limelight, we analyze the ins and outs of pop culture, entertainment, and celebrity from the past week, from the Kardashians to Kate Middleton and everything in between. On this week's episode, we have some uh, a bunch of exciting topics. Uh, we're going to begin with George and Amal Clooney's twins who have now arrived. They are now competing with. Actually, why am I putting them in competition with anyone? They're they're their own. They're they're reigning supreme in their own right, and they're one week old today, actually, uh, or as of the time you're listening to this, a few days ago. And we'll also discuss Jessica Chastain's star-studded European wedding. In less happier news, we'll also discuss Tom Hardy's loss of his beloved dog Woodstock. Um, And we'll wind down with two reports from fans, one from a fan in Sweden who has some insight into Pippa Middleton's latest honeymoon tour stop, I guess, and then a fan in Austin, Texas, who actually encountered Meghan Markle in the flesh. We're we're really excited about these first-hand fan reports, and we really encourage you guys to keep them coming in. There's nothing that gets us more excited. I know, but first let's start out with the Clooney twins, which they were born like an hour after we finished recording last week. Yeah, so. just purely, Mal was waiting for us to be finished recording and she was like, just to spite them, I'm going to wait one extra hour to make this announcement so they can't talk about it until a week later. But as everybody knows, they're George and Amal's first children. They had one boy, one girl. They named them Alexander and Ella. We still don't know if there's any, like, significance to these names, but everybody's in really good health, and the only people who have really spoken to press have been Amal's mom, who just, Josh, did you see this quote? She told people... No, I don't think I saw it. (laughs) Seeing these two (laughs) angels, these stunningly beautiful babies, cuddled together and seeing the joy on Amal and George's faces... It's one of those deeply felt, beautiful feelings you can't express in words. You just look at them and you feel like they've been a mother and father for their whole lives. She's been crafting that for probably like three years now. (laughs) I know. I mean, I, I really appreciate the enthusiasm. These stunningly beautiful babies cuddled together. It's also very, um, it seems like she's giving like a benediction or something. It's just very intense. 
Okay, then George's dad, Nick, said he met the twins via Skype. What I saw were these two... I feel like they coordinated these. What I saw were these two picture-perfect postcard babies. Nick Clooney tells people they were two great-looking babies. (laughs) I feel like he kind of phoned that one in a little bit. (laughs) I know, but the movie trailer for these babies already has, like, the most amazing pool quotes. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. I, I, I spoke too soon about Nick. He also said, Amal looked great. George looked more harried than she did. Right. Uh, they were both very active. I don't know why I'm being so skeptical of these quotes. They're totally innocuous. <laughs> like, raising my eyebrows so intensely that they're both very active. Okay, also, Barack Obama visited them. Did we see this? Um, wait, I did not see this. He visited them a few days, I guess. You know, maybe like the day before. What details were given? I don't know, but how amazing the day before you're born to have like Barack Obama drop by to like, you know, give you the okay to come out into the world. <laughs> it's kind of amazing. Also, Kelly Butler, our twins expert, our VF colleague of ours, beloved, she said that because like twins often come early, but she noted that Amal really carried them to full term because I guess this was about a full nine months. Wow. I love I love the expert insight from Kelly. In case Kel- you in case you didn't think you were gonna get, you know, like pregnancy, you know, basically pediatricians here. We haven't really talked about the names though. Ella and Alexander. How do you, how do we feel? I mean, I feel like they're very safe names. Yeah. Good names, yeah. solid names. I, I don't know. I, I expected something a little more. I was surprised only in that. I guess we're just so conditioned at this point to expect these kind of really unusual, wild, quirky names for celebrity kids, you know? I have high hopes for Beyonce's names. Well, I'm wondering, also, you pointed out, like, we don't really know what their middle names are. There could be other, you know, maybe they have complicated middle names or interesting middle names. I like them. Right. They're, they're, they're sweet, nice, like, they're kind of harmless names. I was thinking maybe one would be named something kind of italian yeah for, yeah since they got married and like they're like they're like lake como estate alexander clooney i don't know ella clooney they're both i think they they go well with clooney right i wonder what obama gave them because i feel like even if he visited before the twins were born he had to come with a gift yeah that's so true i'm sure it was something great well don't they like playing basketball maybe it was like some like little basketball jerseys or something Ooh. also twins is fun because i feel like you give a matching you know like a pair situation um, right yeah so like maybe he gave one a basketball hoop and then the other the ball <laughs> i feel like this segment really combines two of our like weakest subjects <laughs> babies and sports we do not know much about either one of them and i like how we're leaning into both every week really like, what can we talk about this related to either sports or babies the things we know nothing about let's talk though about something we do know a lot about which is tom hardy's love for dogs which is one of my favorite segments for those of you who have not listened to that episode you should go back where julie discusses her feelings for tom hardy but the last time we talked about tom hardy and dogs was a very joyous occasion and this one's not and julie will tell us why Right. This this feels like some sort of cosmic balance, like the same week that the world got the Clooney twins, Tom Hardy, who is just this unexpectedly passionate dog fan, yes. 
lost his beloved six-year-old dog, Woodstock, a Labrador mix who you may have seen. Um, I believe Woodstock accompanied him on like a few red carpets to like premieres. He was on sets, television appearances. And the only reason we know about this is because Tom Hardy, who was famously press shy, yes. composed this beautiful 1,300-word essay about the dog after his death, and he sent it to a fan site detailing everything from how he first met Woodstock to, you know, Woodstock's final days. It's also accompanied by a nine-minute video montage set to Candy Staten's Young Hearts Run Free with just photos of Tom and the dog together at different points in their lives. And it's unclear whether Tom put that together. Josh, do you think Tom put it together? I was I was about to ask you the exact same thing. <laughs> Did he sit down and on his laptop, you know, video editing deck and make that? To, I, he must have had someone do it, but... I mean, he had to supply all the photos. Maybe he did. I feel like he did it himself. I think he did it himself. I, right, I because there it. were there were a lot of photos we haven't seen before of like Tom Hardy in full costume, like when he was shooting Legend. You see Woodstock, and Woodstock is just hanging out, but he's like a cone around his neck. There's some really, but it's sweet. They're like hugging, rolling around. But I really wanted to read a few highlights from this letter because. I don't know if Josh and I will ever, like... Wait, Julie, also, what was your emotional state watching this nine-minute video montage? I feel like that must have been tough for you. (laughs) Honestly, honestly, the letter was tougher just because... Yeah. It's a full multimedia presentation, huh? This is, like, more than we do for, like, a feature on (laughs) VF.com. They'll be like, oh, we need another angle, so they'll, like, put up a video together. Tom's, like, a blogging genius. Okay, sorry. But the essay was very powerfully written. I haven't read a lot of Tom's, I guess, work. I want to hear these good excerpts because I haven't read the letter yet. It opens with how he met Woodstock. It says, I first saw Woodstock running across a turnpike we were turning on to late one dark night in Peachtree, Georgia, Atlanta. This is already so- <laughs> like giving me chills. <laughs> the way you said Peachtree. <laughs> So Tom was here, I believe, shooting Legend, and he details how he saw this dog in the middle of the night across the turnpike. The dog was going to make a mad dash across these speeding cars. Tom didn't know what to do. He didn't know the dog's name, obviously. So racking his mind, he finally says, like, just lets out a huge whistle to get the dog's attention. The dog comes to him, and they're, like, immediately cosmically bonded. When I got back to the car, Tom writes, and sat in my seat, he lay on my shoulder and fell asleep and snored clearly he'd been through a lot. So, I mean, sentences and sentences, amazing, powerful sentences. We took him straight to the pet store to clean him up and buy him well things. Lots of things. Things dogs need. And we walked the aisles, the three of us, letting him choose toys and his lead and his collar. I'll never forget that night. It was wonderful. Josh, you take it away. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm very moved by that. In this next excerpt here, it says, he was an angel and the A is capitalized. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and he was my best friend. We went through so much together. He has been on many sets, met many crews, photo shoots, premieres, made many, many friends. He was number 73 most influential animal in Time magazine. 
wait, what, where does that list and how have we not devoured that? Have you seen that? No. T- Times influential animals list? Okay. He beat Jaws, something we all thought was brilliant. What? Am I missing something or isn't that kind of crazy? His dog beat Jaws for iconic animals? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Never mind. I think it's really weird. Woody was the bestest of journey companions we could ever dream of having. Our souls intertwined forever. His mental state right now must be, I can't even imagine, with the, the writing this essay in the video. And, I, you know, has he been seen publicly since? Do we know? No, I picture him in a room, a dark room, all of the window shades drawn. He's wearing yeah. a bathrobe. His hair, like he hasn't showered in days. And he's just at a typewriter. Typing this, I mean, this out. Is a, it's, a, it's a beautiful tribute. I wish someone would write something like this about me. <laughs> but I, w- I, I was know. kind of impressed by the visuals he created here. Yeah. You know, I guess he is a storyteller. And it's like he wasn't just content to write it out. He wanted you to see as well. I kind of appreciate that. Do you think there's going to be a dog funeral? I don't know. I was just wondering if he's going to do um like a documentary or like, is there any way he can make this into like a full length film production? I feel like there's going to be some sort of tribute to him in the future. Maybe that next season of Taboo will be dedicated to what he... The one that is... Is that the one his do- dad, his dog, his dad writes with him? Yes, Tom and Chip Hardy. Which my dad and uh, brother love. They, like, quote the show. They were giving little inside... I couldn't even comprehend these inside jokes, but they love Taboo. Taboo? No. Well, and they... Are they also... Did they know about Tom Hardy's... The Woodstock's passing? No, they didn't. I did. They did not. I don't know, Josh. I feel like you're very disturbed by the uh, the amount of like passion that Tom has shown for. The- I feel like I think this letter is very sweet and moving, and you're just like a little creeped out. <laughs> no, I think it's very moving too. I think it's very. I don't know to see anyone write anything like this, like uh, Tom Hardy especially. I didn't know he was such an emotional dude. I guess I did, actually, because we've talked about his dog. His, he just loves dogs. The guy loves dogs. Does he have other dogs or is Woodstock his only dog? In the letter, he references uh, another late dog of his, Max. So he says, yeah. like, go run free with Max. You know, I'll, I'll meet you again. We'll be reunited. Okay, let's move no. on to the next segment because you just don't even have words. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very moved. Something else that's very moving, it was that, but in a positive way. We're really moving back and forth from like positive to negative or, you know, distressing here. Jessica Chastain's wedding. Last weekend, she married an Italian count. I'm not even going to try to say this name. Do you want to give it a shot, Julie? Gianluca Passi de Proposulo, which I'm sure is the authentic way to pronounce that. But I wish we had our friend and coworker Chiara here who could give us really know, a really yeah. authentic, we should have run this by her first. He used to be the PR director for Armani, which I didn't realize, and now works for Montclair. The most interesting thing to me about this ceremony was that, well, two things, but one is the, so it took place an hour outside of Venice and his, the family has this like stunning estate. They produce Prosecco at this estate. And I was like, how incredible to marry an Italian count whose family makes Prosecco. Like, she really, she she figured this out. Jessica Justine, of course. Right, you know. as if it wasn't enough that she's marrying this handsome, handsome count uh, with, like, a beautiful estate in northern Italy. 
Right. She not only, <laughs> when she visits her in-laws, it involves all this fresh Prosecco. I imagine just like fountains and fountains of Prosecco. Yeah, you get in the swimming pool, it's just all Prosecco. It sounds incredible. But, Can you imagine? I feel like there's nothing I'd rather in the person I marry. I know, but anyway. but also no one knew this wedding was happening. Just a few weeks back, she mm. was on the Cannes Film Festival jury, seeing like yeah. eight films a day. It was. She was very under the radar. Right. So I just have so much admiration for her knowing that this huge wedding was coming up and she was still able to do that. She, I had the same thought because also usually you hear murmurs that someone's getting married soon. I feel like this really came out of nowhere. All of a sudden it was Jessica Chastain got married. But I felt bad. Uh, you like I think you saw it too on Twitter. Richie asked fans to stop sharing. So basically... They took all these aerial shots. I saw them on the Daily Mail. I don't know if they were in other places, too, of the wedding. So you could see her wedding dress. You could kind of see everything happening. And I remember thinking it was kind of invasive, not invasive, but just it was a very clear. You could see really you really could see her. Usually they're like even grainier. And I was like, oh, yikes, like what's happening here? And then she posted on Twitter that she wanted people to stop sharing those photos because the helicopters disregarded a no fly zone. You know, I feel bad. So she said she'll post some photos of her own on her Instagram account, but she asked people to just stop sharing. So I feel like this, I don't know, it made me like, I felt bad for her. You know, she's such a sweet person. I know. I feel like maybe Jennifer Aniston had figured out the way to do the secret wedding and pull it off, but it's difficult. I, I, we need to get, we, I was about to say we need to get a no-fly zone expert on here, but we definitely don't. <laughs> but but I'm curious what how so is someone going to get arrested for this? I think someone should take down the person who ruined Jessica Chastain's wedding. Like what a criminal act! <laughs> like oh. that to me, that to me is really bad. I know she just seems like a very sweet person. Like yeah, she's so sweet and earnest. And then someone had to fly through a no-fly zone. That doesn't seem like it should be allowed. Uh, but then. What if I move to Italy and just try to solve this case? Like, I'm actually not even going to work at Vanity Fair anymore. I'm just going to go figure out who took these, uh, like, illegal photos of Jessica Justine's wedding. Because I'm not going to take it. Woo! We, we see that Tom Hardy's dog may not elicit much for me, but th- this really gets me going. Well, we, we do um, have a fan in Italy, uh, Chiara's sister, Maddie. Oh, yeah. We have to find out what her take is. Okay. And then the other thing... I just call her Maddie. She probably won't like that, but... <laughs> so she, there were some celebrity guests. Uh, Edgar Ramirez, I saw, and then Anne Hathaway and Emily Blunt. So Emily Blunt and Anne Hathaway were wearing interesting outfits. I don't really even know how to describe them. They kind of look like what you'd wear if you were at a Caribbean resort vacation and you were coming down to the pool, <laughs> but like a fancy version of that kind of fancier not even i don't know what did you think i I think that's very uh accurately put the daily mail described because i was reading this before actually seeing the photos and it said that emily blunt and anne hathaway arrived in complimentary pink colored gowns so i at first thought like oh were they bridesmaids or something had they coordinated this and then i pull up the photo and you were in for something you didn't even... I mean, individually, it's just a funny... I don't know what the... What do you think the dress code was? That's my question. I don't know. But you know what? It, it seemed like it was a day wedding. I like that mm. they went colorful. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> but also, I had forgotten they are Devil Wears Prada co-stars. And when I was seeing them walking linked arms, that was... It was kind of nice. I didn't realize they were still butt buddies. 
Right. What was it? What did Jessica Chastain star in? Like, it seems like she and Anne Hathaway would be friends, but did they? Were they in a movie? They together? were in Interstellar. They were in Interstellar together. Oh, right. I also <laughs> I love Anne Hathaway has this big turquoise necklace on, and I would mm-hmm. not have pegged her for like the kind of person who just wears turquoise accessories like that. But I kind of love it. And the sunglasses. Anne's look I'm actually really into. Emily's dress is confusing. It took you a, a while bit. in this segment to come around to it. It took you like six full minutes to, for you to finally say that you're into it. You know what it is? The, the sunglasses tur- the giant statement turquoise necklace. It just takes so much, uh, you know, you got to have that Anne swagger. Oh my gosh. But- what do you think? Because I bet Anne Hathaway writes cards and birthday cards and wedding cards as earnestly as she talks and speaks i i just wish also do you think she gave a toast at the wedding i mean this is also actress those three actresses are about as you know i feel like they're all among the most critically adored actresses out there right now i kind of want them to three of them to be in a movie together I don't really know what they would be in, like a like a modern hours. Yeah, you know, like when Meryl and Nicole and Julianne Moore were all in the hours. Like I want that style, but with the three of them. I want more of a comedy, like heist movie. Mm, like Ocean's Eleven. If Emily and Jessica were in Ocean's Eleven style, right? Or Ocean's Eight. Ocean's Eight. I'm into this whole thing, like a lot of it. I think it's cool. I love when like it's like a superpower group. I feel like they're in a like you know. They each have, I don't know what they're going to, what their superpowers are, but, you know, (laughs) ability to cry on command and, like, earnest reflection. All right, let's move on to someone else who just got married, though, which is Pippa. And, Julie, we actually have, right, someone from Sweden who has given us a kind of great tip about Pippa Middleton's honeymoon. Right. It, it was a big weekend for international weddings. Pippa uh, so they had a crazy honeymoon if they were in I didn't even realize they were in Sweden because they went They went from Australia, to, right? They were in Australia. Right. So they went to the some Pacific Island then Australia then I guess they ended up in Sweden. They're really oh. just going around the globe. <laughs> They're seeing it all. But shout out to Cecilia, our correspondent in Sweden, who reached out and said she was like on the case. She heard that Pippa and her husband were coming. By the way, what is Pippa's husband's name? I should probably use his name. We just call him Pippa's husband. (laughs) No, James Matthews. But she knew that um, the couple, they were going to be in town. So she kind of staked staked it out. Mm. And she sent us a message this morning um, that says, Pippa and hubby James. Oh, there, look, she even took care of us there. Pippa and hubby James came to Stockholm to attend the season's society wedding, according to press. The groom... Good luck on this name <laughs> pronunciation. Hans Bartleton is a close friend to Pippa, and there have been rumors about them dating. Wait, is Cecilia saying that, or is she, is she quoting she's, something She's else? quoting the press. Oh, because I'm like, wow, does Cecilia know a lot of Pippa's, you know, love life here? I, I, lo- okay. I wouldn't put it past her, her but Han- yeah. Hans is the same guy she did the swim run with and her Swedish connection. Okay, so did you see photos from this wedding? It was a white tie wedding. What is that? What does white tie mean? I think it's even fancier than black tie. <laughs> Wait, also, so right 
is that normal that after there okay so for two two things that are very logistical here one your honeymoon ends by going to someone else's wedding i don't right, that like you that's were, very that you were once you were romantically dating? linked to that does that sounds like a setup for a disaster or like in the romantic comedy they'll like hurdle you have to get over because you're going to your new wife's ex-boyfriend who she might have had this like great athletic connection with they did the same swim run i also like cecilia pointing out the swedish connection i don't even know what that means Uh, (laughs) i know i wish we had like a point i guess we do have a point person in sweden now cecilia and secondly yeah no that was both of mine wrapped up into one i just feel like it's a strange timing i guess they can't really avoid it but i feel like maybe you skip this wedding if you just got married yourself and were on your honeymoon right but like, like you totally have a fantastic excuse and isn't that what anyone really wants in life like a it's gra- like a great excuse a, to not go to a wedding yes yeah. especially a destination wedding all right, so let's talk. Another fan actually reached out, and this is very exciting. Uh, so over the weekend, Meghan Markle uh, landed in Austin, Texas, and you might be wondering what business she would have there. And Prince Harry was nowhere in sight. This was not a royal event in any way. This was for if, if we might, sometimes we forget she got her start as a Suits actress, <laughs> and she we never will. But you know, anyway, she was there because they were doing, I guess, for the 100th episode of Suits in celebration. They did a live reading of the pilot. She flew to this panel. uh, And Julie, so we got... Do you want to set up how we got this information about what went on at the actual event? Another incredible fan of ours reached out to say that she saw Meghan Markle in the flesh and she was happy to provide more details. Again, we love, Josh and I love (laughs) getting these messages. So if anyone has any insight like this, we really appreciate it. She wrote back and she gave us some incredible details. Yeah. She said the entire cast was there, including Meghan, in parentheses, loved her dress. We've got a Markle-ite in the the crowd. I know. She seemed happy to be there to celebrate the 100th episode and spoke about her character's development through the seasons and their relationship as a cast. There was a joke made by Rick Hoffman, I think he was the moderator, that he was going to read the script in a British accent, which I guess is his little nod to the Prince romance, and I guess Meghan Markle laughed at it. But overall, there were no direct mentions of Harry. All the questions from the Q&A were asked by the moderator from Entertainment Weekly. And were about the show specifically. I hate when they do that. Like, why can't they open it up to the audience? So the audience didn't have a chance to ask questions because of the time. Oh, so I'm sorry. This is like for the Suits mega fans, uh, like, uh, of which... I don't even want, I'm not going to speculate as to how many of them there are or what they're like, but they're coming all the way to Austin and you can't ask a single question. I'm, I wouldn't be thrilled if I was a suit super fan who had journeyed to Austin for this. Right. And I guess there was some news report to come out of it that like Megan acknowledged Harry or something, but this mole who was in the audience said that no questions were asked unless maybe someone like shouted something at her, which Josh, that would have been you and me. <laughs> Well, okay, so the backstory, I didn't, I feel like I should have added this when I was setting it up, but so there are all these reports that someone shouted something about Harry and she like laughed it off. Right. But our correspondent is telling us that there was no such shouting. Right. She said, 
I'm thinking what everyone may be reporting on is that a fan may have yelled a question about Harry from the audience, which she maybe smiled at, question mark. To be honest, I feel like it did hap- if it did happen, it was exaggerated because I didn't hear anyone ask that. Overall, her takeaways, Megan seems lovely, sweet, and really well-liked by her cast. It seems like she kept a pretty low profile while visiting Austin in general. Like, you know that she has advisors who are, like, keeping her locked in that room, Miss Congeniality style, like, making sure she does not make a wrong move. (laughs) P.S. I may be a Suits fan now, which I didn't see coming. Incredible postscript. Like, that was a twist ending to this message that I was not expecting whatsoever. (laughs) Megan is converting Suits fans across the nation one by one. Also, overall, Megan, the end of that email is very, um, like, teacher report, which I love. She's like, Megan seems very lovely, sweet, and hardworking. Um, (laughs) I... (laughs) I love this whole, like, this is great observations. And I think it's very interesting that Megan is so clearly guarded. If she was kept, you know, she wasn't really seen in Austin at all. You know, what if she wanted to try some barbecue or, you know, check out a local jazz club? You know, they're not letting her do any of that. You're right. No. And the mole also noted that security seemed a tad heightened on the day Megan was there. What if Harry was there, like, in disguise with a fedora pulled down over his eyes or something? Like a glued-on mustache? (laughs) I mean, it's funny because, I mean, there's such a funny disconnect to me. I don't know if you feel the same way, but uh, we've obviously talked about this in different ways, shapes, and forms before. But, like, that she's on suits and doing these kind of events, but then also going to Pippa Middleton's wedding and dating Prince Harry and potentially going to be a royal. Like, there's such a strange juxtaposition here. Like, I can't even remember anything ever like this when someone was so mega famous in one realm and then, you know, Seuss is a popular show, but I'm sure, you know, the idea of her doing these obligations isn't exactly thrilling to her right now. So it's a very funny... I'm I'm, I'm intrigued. Do you th- I am too. Do you think she's contractually obliged to these kind of things? Yes, and I think that they have already like put the wheels into motion to get, get out, out of that out. As, as soon as possible. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine this must be her next season of Suits has got to be the last season for her. I don't know about the show. This really, this is really something. And I love that we, we realized that this moderator made the attempt to make the joke about reading the script in the British accent. Would you have attempted? Right. To, if you were moderating this panel, how would you have handled it? I wouldn't have handled it like that. I, I give him credit for acknowledging like the elephant in the room. Right. And I right. would have wanted to make some sort of joke. I would have like you and I would have labored over this the night before. Like, what to is fi- the way to find like it, an yeah. organic yeah. transition? I mean, there's really not an easy way to do it. And honestly, if he was going to make a reference, I guess this is okay. Um, Right, but how devastating to have been in that audience if you're not a Suits fan. Like, you got up early, you were ready to get in that Harry question, and then they just don't throw the audience at all. No. Also, you know what's interesting? We You never see, you know, like those, I guess maybe these people just know how to avoid it. But like, you know, TMZ style videos where the camera will yell questions at a celebrity. Like, Brad, how are you feeling post-breakup? Like that kind of thing. You, I've never seen anything like that like, with her. You know, her. TMZ has a whole like squad dispatched on the yeah army following her. But I've never seen a video of her walking into a car. I feel like you see that with everyone you know. Like Jennifer Lawrence is going into a car and something. <laughs> Jennifer, like because I don't know, it's stressful. 
anyway, so Megan and Austin, if you if you are from Austin or have any other details, please let us know. If you saw her covertly checking out, you know, the like scenic waterfall or something, I don't know where she would go in Austin. Anyways, yeah, keep up. If you see her anywhere, actually, let us know. And that does it, I think, for this week's episode. So much happened in this episode. I feel like we journeyed from from sighting to sighting, from distress to joy. And that does it. So thank you for listening. Remember to rate, review, let us know what movie Emily Blunt and Jessica Chastain starred in that we clearly aren't remembering. Rate us, review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us find new listeners. Also, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at In the Limelight to further discuss these subjects. You can also follow us individually. I'm at Julie W. Miller. And I'm Jay Duboff. We also have an Instagram, In the Limelight Pod. This episode was produced by Jordan Bell and edited by Afim Shapiro. Thanks to Andy Bowers at Panoply. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. Until next week, no bad energy. (laughs) 